Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. And it's my joy and privilege to, uh, as I say, to, to be here and be in, be in this home. I, I feel like we're royalty, actually, because royalty have many houses, don't they? Many homes. And we have many homes, and this is one of them. So, it, you know, it doesn't feel peculiar for me. It's home. Uh, even though some of you, maybe the first time you've met me or the second time or, or whatever, but it's just good to be together and to open the Bible together and to worship and to pray uh, together. And I'm just, I, I agree, concur uh, entirely with what David uh, said that, you know, we must never despise the day of small beginnings. God is wanting to do something. God is doing something. And uh, yes, he he mentioned that sometimes there may be a frustration that could creep in me. There is because we want we want it much quicker, don't we? We always want things much quicker. But you know, we have to. As was reminded, some of us were reminded this morning. God is into the process, and God works in us and does something in us as we wait. But I do believe that God is at work. I believe God is at work in in the earth. I believe God is at work in our nation. And uh, my prayer is God light some fires, uh, not literal, but, you know, spiritual fires up and down the British Isles. And, uh, you know, do it, do it in Belper, do it in Nottingham, do it in Ilkeston, do it in Mansfield, do it in Toulouse, do it in the Hob for the glory and praise of your name. There's about three of you who believe that, but I'm going to keep preaching because I believe it with all, with all my heart. Now, this series that we're going to be looking at, and it's going to be my joy to be with you over the next uh, three months, two or three times uh, with you, and David's going to be uh, sharing as well. And uh, it's a series that we've entitled Behaviours. What is it like to be around here? So I'm encouraging you, if you would, get you just your Bible and your, your, pad, your pads and your pens or your electronic devices and just get them ready. Um, I'm a bit unusual in that I haven't got a PowerPoint presentation. I'm not going to point, put the points on there. I want you to follow very carefully. And the other thing that I want you to be encouraged to is to visit the Arena Church website and listen to this message. Now, you may say that could sound like a bit of an ego trip. It's not because I just believe it's so important. You're going to miss some things that I think tonight that you'll pick up on a podcast because this series was really born out and is born out of a journey. And it's a journey that we've gone on in Arena Church as we look at what are the behaviours that we want in the church and what is it like to be around here. Now, the reason why we devised such a series was because we realised there was so much dysfunction in the world. There is so much dysfunction in this world. Let me give you an example of that. What would be normal to, I know Bob and Mandy well, so Bob and Mandy have been faithfully part of the Ilkeston journey and a great support here on the journey in Belper. But I know that I've been to their home. They've got a lovely home. They have standards. There's certain things that they would ask you to do. But that, what is normal to them, wouldn't be normal to other people. Now they live out of function, not dysfunction. But the problem is, if you have dysfunctional people come and come to your, your home or whatever, they think that's normal to them. Am I making sense? You see, we all live with this kind of no- normality and what's normal for us may not be normal for others. So we needed to create something, a framework, 
a behaviour, Dean, that would just enable people to function really well in the life of the church. It's a foundational series. I'm I'm recognising, you know, there's 40 or 50 of us this evening. But listen, what we're doing now is going to affect hundreds to come. Because we're going to set a foundation here and there is something in the soil of faith that we're going to sow into tonight and we're going to believe in Jesus' name that it's going to begin to sprout underneath and it's going to begin to grow as we look at functional behaviours in the life of the church. Now, let me qualify something because you may say, for you guys who are a bit smart out there, you may say, okay, well, that's fine, but you've already said what's functional for you may not be for others. Where have you got these from? They're all from the Bible. We wanted to look at the life of Jesus. We wanted to look at what Jesus addressed. We wanted to look at how the New Testament was established. And so all that we're going to be doing over the next seven, eight times that we're together is we're going to be laying a foundation that is rooted in Jesus. We might be talking about foundations, but I want you to, tell, I want you to know these are all expressed from the life of Jesus. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is very helpful. If you're finding a new church home, this is helpful. If you don't know Jesus, this is helpful. Because this will help you to understand what we are all about. And what we're seeking to build by God's grace. Have you got that? So that is setting the foundation of this series as we move forward. And it's my joy to talk specifically into two particular areas, which we'll get to But if you've got your pad and your pen or your electronic device, I'm going to be looking at under the headline of behaviours, what is it like to be around here? We're going to be looking at thieves and occupants. This side say thieves. No, it's not good enough. I'm going to ask you again. This side say thieves. And this side say occupants. Oh, these were much better. But it's not a very nice thing, is it, thieves? Thieves and occupants. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1, it'll come on the screen. This is what the, 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 the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, and all of Paul's writings are in the New Testament. For those who are you know, trying to make sense of the Bible and whatever, they're in the New Testament. And it was all to strengthen the churches. And this is what he says in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you on how to live in order... To please God. We instructed you how to live in order to please God. Because it was the same thing. We have a New Testament first century church with a lot of dysfunction around them. Don't all say to to yourself or think to yourself, we've never had the world as bad. Let me tell you, the Roman world, the first century church was full of dysfunction. It was full of challenge. I will say this, it was full of sinfulness. It was full of immorality. It was full of impurities. Why? Because people were full of immorality and impurities and imperfections. And so the apostle was building the church with his faithful men and women into that context. And he says to them, this is what I've done. I'm, I'm instructing you how to live in order to please God. I love what it says in the message, a contemporary version that I like to read at the side of the New International Version. And it says there, we ask you, we urge you, is more like it, that you keep on doing what we told you to do to please God. Not in a dogged religious plod, but in a living, spirited dance. Everything that we're seeking to do here is not to how do we behave here, is to try and make you to 
to fit in. I want you to understand that. When we're looking at behaviours, it's not because we want you to all behave like me. I was joking with my friend. I said, David, you look very smart tonight. He says, well, you know, I've been told that I need to get smartened up and wear a jacket a little bit. And well, I always wear a jacket. And he's now following suit. He's wearing a, wearing a jacket. But he does look very smart. I like it. I'm, 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 I'm with you. But we're not asking everybody to start wearing jackets. Some of you have got leather jackets. Some of you got jumpers. Some of you have even got ripped jeans. But we won't go there tonight. We're not asking you to have a particular hairstyle that suits. We're not, we're not asking you to, you know, be robotic. Please understand, some of you have been to different churches and that is what you have seen. Why we're laying this series out is to help you to understand what we are all about. What Jesus is all about. And there are certain standards and behaviours that we want to embrace, that we see in the life of Jesus. But this series is not there to try and make you conform. It's not to try and make you robotic. In fact, diversity and difference are a part of who we are at Arena. And that word diversity has been so misconstrued in this world today, it upsets me. It upsets me. But the fact is, what I'm trying to say is, I'm not after everybody being like me. And everybody said... Oh, some of you know me, know that well. And I'll say that. I'm not asking you to be all like me. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And neither am I asking you to be like you. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to say this big, strong Amen. Because we're all different. The Bible tells us, actually, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are uniquely created. And some of the differences that we have, what I've realised is this. With the cultures that I had, when it really came clear to my mind, we're going to lay some foundations, but I need you to understand this. Very, very important, because a lot of churches do not understand this, particularly in the foundation part. That's why everybody runs right and does what they think and does what's right in their own eyes, because there's no standard, there's no foundation. What helped me to understand this, Dean, was when I got married. Anybody here ever been married or is married? Give me a wave. I thought that the way that I did it was the right way. And, uh, and, and everything that we did as a family growing up was absolutely right and, and was absolutely good. And I thought that Caroline was raised exactly the same way. What I realised was this, that wasn't the case. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Lots of you and some of you brave people have lifted your hands who aren't with your wives or with your husbands. But it's the, that is the reality because we all think our way is the right way. And that was normal to us. But what was normal to me wasn't normal to Caroline. Caroline had a big deal about things like bonfire night celebrations. Jordan's here. She's my niece. Bonfire is a big deal in the Turner household. I don't give a rip about bonfire night. It's cold, it's wet. Who wants to see some fireworks go up in the air? And the last time we had a bonfire, other than the one before, I got some, something in my eye. I was down A&E in the evening. Yeah, I really want to go and do that, don't I? The best thing about bonfire night is the food. And everybody said, amen. But it's a big deal to Caroline. I'm making a joke just to help you understand Cultures, behaviours that are different. And so if you're from a church background, you really need to lean in and, and understand what we're, on, what we're on about here tonight. So in this series that we're going to be looking at, we will, not tonight, we're going to be looking at seven particular 
values, behaviours that we just think are really, really important uh, to us. But as I say tonight, what I want to do is just look at five things that we want in the life of the church and four things that we don't want. So I'll come to the occupants first of all. These, this is the occupants. Everybody say occupants. Occupants. These are five things, guys, that we want. And you guys, you can be drawn in. These are five things that we want to see happen here. And some of you really need to understand this because this will build the church. This will impact the community. This will change the fabric of Belper working with, with others. The first thing, first thing is, and I got it tonight, we give a great welcome. We give a great welcome. You may say these are pretty standard. Yeah, they are very standard. But again, what's standard to me may not be standard to you. We give it, you know what we do in our house when somebody comes in, we say, do you want a drink? I've been to some houses. I've been waiting for an hour, two hours, no drink, nothing. And then I think to myself, that's a bit rude, but it isn't. That's just behavioural. That's normal to them. But to us, you come to us, do you want to, do you want to drink? What, what, what would you like? Take, kick your shoes off and just kick back. We give a great welcome. And by the way, Jesus gave a great welcome. And I am going to declare it. He gave a great welcome to everybody. Yes. Now we had to sort some people out. Have you heard me say this? God loves us as we are. We've heard about it, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are. He will bring a change to us. That does not mean to say that if you are dysfunctional, you are causing mayhem and all the rest of it, then you can, yeah, do what you want. Yeah, cause mayhem. Yeah, free for all. Let me tell you, that is the quickest way to not build the church. We have order. The Bible is full of order. We're encouraged from the New Testament writings to have order. But we give a great welcome. So if you're from a really broken background, you're welcome. If you're from a very confused background, you're welcome. If you're from a drunken, addictive background, you're welcome. If you're from a business background, you're welcome. If you're male or female, you're welcome. If you're a child, if you're a young person, have you got it? You're welcome. We give a great welcome. We could build each of these, but these are probably some things you'll work out in the groups. Secondly, and they're all W's. Isn't that great? I love that. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> Secondly, we have great worship. We have great worship. Now, listen to me, some of you. I don't want to look at anybody because I've not heard anything. But the worship might be a bit too loud for you. And I actually think this man plays drums outstandingly well. And I've told him many, many times. But you might not look like the bashing of the drums. You might say, oh, it's too loud for this all and whatever. Just go with it. Just go with it. Because what we're trying to do is build something on a Sunday that will be attractive to people coming in. Now, you might like more of a traditional style. I get that. I won't tell you my devotional playlist coming here was traditional. My kids laugh at me with the worship songs that I listen to. I have to listen to them in my own time. Because if I inflicted it on them, they'd be pulling their hair out. I like them. I like the songs. I like the 70s and 80s songs that I'm singing in the 90s. I love Shout to the Lord. Some of you might not even know that. Shout to the Lord. Oh, I'm lost. I love it. I love it. I love it. My kids are like, really? Okay, Dad. I like a good hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, my goodness. I love it. 
And if the worship isn't quite where you want it to be, please can I ask you to lean in for the sake of others that we're seeking to draw in. We'll never put songs on there that don't glorify Jesus. We'll never put songs on there that are just this catchy hip. We filter those. But the point is that I want to make, we, we, have, we have great worship. And what I've realised is this, worship isn't about the musicians you've got here. Worship is about the attitude of the worshipper. Some of my greatest worship experiences have been where we've not had great musicianship, if I'm honest. But there's been an attitude of worship that's resounded in the hearts of the people that are there. And God comes close. What does the Bible say? The Lord inhabits the praises. It doesn't say the perfected praises. It doesn't say the magnificent you know, musicianship. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. We want great worship. We really do. Thirdly, we give a great word. The Bible is so important to us. And I have got this phrase at the moment that I keep saying to the staff, don't, don't just read the Bible, let the Bible read you. Let the Bible read you. Sometimes we can read the Bible just to get something, that, but the Bible, the living word, Jesus is the word that became flesh. He wants to read us. He wants to change us. He wants to speak to us. I, I, when I read this Bible, I'm saying, oh God, really, he should, should have a warning attached to it, a health warning, a spiritual health warning. Because every time I open the Bible, it's like God wants to speak to me about something. Anybody know, known that? You just, but we love the word. We love the word. And we're people of the word. And we want to bring a great word. We want to declare it. We don't just bring talks. We don't bring talks. We don't just bring a little five minute, you know. We bring the word. And we bring it with passion. And we bring it with authority. These are things that we want in the house. I feel like we need a little bit of a comfort break. So just say, tap the neighbour next to you and say, these are three things that we want occupied in this church. Go on, tell the person three things. We're going to come to another two, three things that we want in the church. We want a welcome. What secondly do we want? We want worship, thirdly? Word. Fourthly, we are a great witness. Now there's two strands I want to put to this. First of all, we are a great witness. Let our yes be yes and our no's be no. Let us endeavour to live with a purity, a holiness that comes as we spend time with Jesus. I'd love to tell you that I'm perfect. I'm not. I'd love to tell you that I get everything right. I don't. I'd love you to say that all my actions and all my words are good and true. They're not. But let me tell you, I'm leaning into saying to Jesus, Jesus, please help me in these areas. I refuse to just stay where I am. God is wanting to change me and for me to become more like him. Changing from glory, ever changing from glory to glory. Have I got a yes? There's some of you. God wants to change us. We don't have, need to be condemned if we where we're at. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But he wants to change us. We are a great witness. But secondly, we are a great witness to those around us. I want to be my life to express the love of God as we've heard tonight in the lead. I want the love of God to be expressed. I've got lots of friends, friends now that I'm developing who don't know Jesus. I, that, that was shame on me because years ago I had hardly any friends who, were, who, were, who weren't Christians. I'd take it upon myself now to endeavour to meet with people, to connect with people. You may say, are you trying to get them into faith? Well, that's my heart. But no, I just want to be a great friend. 
I just want to be a great friend. And I really believe that if we would take this one on to be a great witness, so as we're taking the kids to school, as we're in the factory, as, 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 as we, you know, queuing up in the bank, if the banks are still there, as we're doing the garden for those who have the luxury of not having to go to work now, as we're in the school, as we're at the college, as we're on the golf course, wherever, we give a great witness. We tell people about Jesus. The love of God. What difference has Jesus made in your life? Oh, do you know, we can't help it. We just have to say to people, not and then we look weird, but it's amazing how many opportunities that I've had recently that people have honestly said to me, can I just ask you a little bit about your life? What do you do? Well, do you really want to know? Yeah, I really want to know. And then I think they don't want to know because as soon as I say it, they all then start freaking out. So I have to just guide myself in. But when I get to that, I say, we'll never have just... Wow, just tell us a little bit more. One guy who's on a real journey, real, real journey, uh, a younger guy in his uh, mid-twenties, on a real journey to faith and just trying to make sense of his life and just wonderful. We are a great witness. And lastly, lastly, we show a great willingness. I know that the core team here, I've already got this. You've shown a great willingness because over the summer of 2019, you rolled your sleeves up. You painted windows. You smashed down stages. You painted. You cleaned. You gardened. You showed a great willingness. These are things that we want to see at the very heart of Arena Church. Why? Because it's not about this platform. It's not about this platform. The first thing that God requires of me is to be a servant. Is to be a servant. It's amazing. The leadership is only mentioned a few times, but servant, servanthood and being a servant are mentioned scores and scores of time in the New Testament. Why is that? Because God is wanting to show us a picture. Jesus is showing a picture how we should show a great willingness. And he demonstrated that when actually the disciples should have been washing his feet. The rabbi's feet, they should have been washing his feet. And he unrobed and he washed their feet. And, it's, and we're preaching it 2,000 later. Why? Because again, what is it like to be around here? And all these, these are what Jesus lived out. He loved the word. Yes, he loved the worship. He withdrew to solitary places and I, I, no doubt in my mind, not just prayed, but worshipped his father in heaven. <laughs> Wonderful. He showed a great willingness. He was a great witness. Five things. Five occupants. Are you still with me? Five occupants. But the problem is, there are things that come into the church and this is where the dysfunctionality happens. Because I've been around church now, I'm 48. I've, there's not been, there's not been a, a week or a month that I've been out, outside the church. I'm one of those strange guys that I've never been out of church I, I was, there was times when probably my heart was backslidden, but I was still in church, if that made sense. I had, I had feet in both camps, yes, for a period, particularly through teenage years. But there's never been an occasion where I've been outside of church. So I think I can, not with the total authority, I think with some authority, I can speak into this thing called the church. And in my viewpoint of church, and I've visited Dare I say, hundreds of churches. I've preached in scores of churches. I've been to some small conferences and some big conferences and I've seen some strange behaviour. And it normally boils down to four thieves. 
Now, let me tell you here, has anybody had the unfortunate event of um, your house being ransacked, being broken into? Just give us a wave if that's the case. Uh, we haven't. But again, Caroline, when she was a youngster, had two or three occasions in a, a parent's home. And it's terrible. And it's awful. You feel violated. You wonder where they've been. What have they been doing? And this is my point. Churches up and down this, car, this, this country are being robbed. And this is the sad thing. They don't even know it. And they allow the thief to come in and rob from the people of God. And they just allow it to happen. In John 10 verse 10, Jesus himself declared that the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He will do everything he can to contend with you. Sir, he will do everything he can to contend with you. Madam, he will do everything he can to throw you off track. Everything, everything. Trust me, he will do whatever he can. It usually starts with a seed thought. It usually starts with something in our minds. And then that mind then drops to our hearts. And then we begin to outwork that in our lives. That's how it always works. A seed thought, it may be of immorality, but it may be an attitude. It may be an attitude. And I have seen churches ransacked spiritually up and down this country because they have not bolted the door to thieves. There are five things we want in the church. We've already spoke about those, but there are four thieves. So the first thing I want to say is this, because of time. The first thief is religion. We're going to race through these. Religion. You may say that's a strange one because I thought you were religious people. You, well, no, we're not religious people. We have a living relationship with Jesus. It's not being clever with words. Because every time that I see come across religion in its, in its most serious form, it's always binding. It's always shackled over people. It's about rules and regulations. And here's the, the uh, definition of religion. It's the attitudes that seek to suppress people. I have seen so many people who have been religious and they are suppressed. Suppressed. And here's the wonderful thing here. We don't believe that Jesus came to suppress people. He came to deliver people. He came to release people. Arena Church is not about religion. It's really not about religion. If you're wanting some liturgical, religious kind of thing that we do, that is not what we're about. We want to walk you into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. We want you to know God, not just about Him. We want you to actually know Him. It's not about those rules and regulations. If you want a verse of Scripture just to jot down, you see how all of these thieves came against Jesus. Luke 6 verse 1 to 11. You see that they were challenging Jesus about the Sabbath. And who did he have the most trouble with in the scriptures? Who did Jesus have the most trouble with? The religious leaders of the day. And it's interesting that this is where we have to be careful now. I've said to you, I'm 48. And some things that I like doing, I almost would like to write them into my Bible. Because I like doing them. Yes? Anybody else like that? So I like a particular... And I have to remind myself, particularly dealing with younger leaders and younger people, that actually all I'm doing in that moment is being, if I'll put it, religious. I'm being religious. Because actually there's nothing in the Scriptures that says anything about those things. And I don't want to live out of religion. I want to live out of the liberation of Christ. 
I want to do the things that please him. Like I said, I don't, it's not a free-for-all. But I don't want religion. We bolt the door to religion. David Jeanette, even as I'm declaring it, it's going into the seed of Belper. That is not part of who we are. It's not part of what we're about. And by the way, I will be bold here. If you're here and you're on a journey, you're looking for something religious, I'd encourage you to talk with David and Jeanette because we don't want you wandering off. There's a better way to live. But if that's what you are after and you are resolute in your stance, you are not going to find it easy being here. You're really not because we're removable. Remember, we have occupants we want, thieves we do not want. Secondly, the second one, a thief that I've seen time and time again is that of rejection. People live in rejected. Rejection, a definition, is the attitude of constant refuse, refusal. Again, Jesus was challenged with this. Isaiah 53 verse 3, it states that he was despised and rejected by men. And yet he did not live rejected. Anybody here ever gone for an interview and you didn't get it? Just raise your hand. Anybody here ever asked a girl out or a boy out and they, they turned you down? Nobody's going to own up to that, but you know. <laughs> Rejection. I remember the first job that I went for and I was told it was a dead cert. I'd done work experience at the bank and all the rest of it and uh, dead cert and didn't get it. I was devastated for two days. I felt like I took it so personally. I thought like they'd rejected me. I'd never been in that place ever before where I'd been rejected. Now, God turned it around. But the point is this. These things happen to us. It's how we respond to it. And I've seen so many people in church who feel rejected. So they bring an idea and you say, well, that's not quite how we're going to do it. And they feel rejected. Listen to me. Rejection is not part of this church. We're not going to carry the spirit of rejection. Can I hear an amen? We're really not. We're not going to carry it because it happened to us through our parents or through our spouse or through the work, our workplace or even through the church. Listen to me. We're not denying it. It's a very real attitude. But what we're saying to you is if that's how we feel and some people have every reason to feel like that. I've talked to people who've been given up as a baby. Those who've been adopted. Those who they, 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 they can at times live with, not always, but I've spoken to numbers of them who felt abandoned in that moment. So a, a spiritual thing that took place. And we want to walk people into freedom, yes? So we're not denying it, but what we're saying is we're not going to live out of that spirit. Am I making sense? We don't want to live out of that spirit. It's not who we are. And I will put in there that instead of rejection, we have forgiveness. Instead of bitterness, we're going to have an openness. Listen, we want to live with fresh air. Fresh air. That when I come into... This uh, platform so liberating for me. You can see I've been looking. I want to get down and they've told me I've got to stay on and I've been very, very good. But I'm just going to come off for a moment. I want people, when they've been, been with us, I want people like just a breath of fresh air. Just a breath of fresh air. If we hold to those occupants... And the values that we're going to be looking at, that's what will happen. If we live out of rejection, we'll leave people depleted. 
We'll leave people do. I always want people coming on nights like this to leave the place saying, I'm glad that I went. I feel encouraged that I went. I'm so glad that I made the effort to walk up that hill. <laughs> okay, Lee, I was panting away. My brother's here. He said, did you manage to make it? I don't know how East Stand needs. Anyway, we won't go, go there. But, you know, it was worth the effort. I'm glad that I'm here. I'm not here just because I'm the lead pastor. I'm glad that I'm here, guys. I'm glad that I'm here. I want to be a breath of fresh air to you. I want you to be a breath of fresh air to me. I don't want us to live with rejection. We're going to bolt it at the door. So I will stand up here. We've done it with the first one. I want to say rejection. We bolt the door to rejection. We bolt the door to rejection. If you feel rejected, then you need to come and just work that through in prayer and people will be kind and encouraging to you and helpful to you in that. But that is not the spirit we're going to live out. Very quickly, thirdly, oh, this is a brilliant one. I have seen this so many times. Control. This is the attitude of unnatural domination. Now listen to me carefully. Some of you are getting to know me. Or you're going to get to know me. And I'll say this because this is how I've been described. I'm quite a, a forceful personality. Okay. And this is who I am. Not just on here. You get me in a meeting. I am larger than life in a meeting. I, I will fight my corner. I will passionately express what I believe with conviction. I really will. But I want to tell you, I am not a controller. I'm not the big fat controller. I'll just put, drop that in. But I am not a controller. It's been levelled against me. I don't want to control anybody. I don't want to control anything. I've got no desire to control. I, I, I lead a home with four children, well, three children now, one's married, and I seek to lead that home well. But I have even said to her children, we want to guide them and help them, but I am not there to control my home. I am not there to control my wife. I have, I have no desire to control. In the natural, so in the spiritual. We have no desire. The pastors here have no desire to control. If you want to go a particular route, then fill your boots. You may not be able to do it here. You may not be able to do it here. Because again, we have behaviours. But we're not going to try and control you. And I have seen so much control in the church. I've seen some control from the elders to the pastor, from the deacons to the pastor, from the pastor to the congregation, from the pastor's wife to the congregation. I have seen controls at so many different levels and none of it works. I want to say, say, we do not live out of a controlled attitude. We want to live free and open, don't we, in Jesus' name. Over every campus, we don't want to live with control. We can see it happening in the work. Place. We see it in the home. We see it politically. We see it nationally. We see it globally. Let me define this quickly. This control is manipulation and intimidation. It's the very thing that Goliath and some of the characters of the Bible had to deal with. They had to deal with that manipulation and intimidation. People who set themselves up and ruled over nations. And God brought them low. God brought them low. Now I want to tell you, we believe in order and we believe in authority. But this authority is not to dominate, put down or make small. And that's what control always does. Authority 
is something, and we'll have to unpack this probably at another night. Authority is a wonderful thing, if done properly and correctly. It's so liberating as authority. I am a man who operates under authority. That is why God has given me authority. I live under the authority of an eldership and a board. It's wonderful. As well as the, the authority of Jesus. But I seek to live under the authority of others. Bob sits on a board that I sit on. I'm quite forceful, aren't I, Bob, in that board? But you can't imagine pushing this man around. He's going ha- to, when I say have his say, he's going to be. And I like that. Because there's authority. And there's safety for everybody. So I just, I digress slightly. We do not want control in this church. It's a thief. And I'm going to say again, we bolt the door to control. We will not have control that operates in the life of Belper and in the life of this church. We're going to have a fresh air. We're going to have a freedom. We want authority. We want godly authority. But we want to be liberated. And lastly, and just tap the neighbour because it is hot in here. Just tap the neighbour and say, I'm ready for the next point. Go on, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready. These are, these are thieves we don't want. This is a big one. Religion, rejection, control, and lastly, offence. Offence. Thieves. This is an annoyance, a resentment brought about by a perceived insult or occasion. Offence. Offence is always taken... It's not given. And I have seen so many people live offended. Offense has robbed, all these four have robbed, but this has robbed people of their destiny and their future because they've lived offended. So an example is the pastor David comes and speaks to you and there's a continual issue and you're trying to help David and Jeanette. And then they say, listen, we really feel we need to work this through. And they say, what do you mean I haven't got an issue? Well, we... No, I'm not doing that. And we joke about it. We tell our kids off for it, and rightly so. But we pick up our Bibles and we walk away. By the way, how you leave a place is how you enter a place. If you leave offended, you will enter offended. An offence is not an occupant of this house. All these guys, this one, well not all of them, this one, yeah, that would be wrong when we say all of these. I haven't. But this one, I, I've lived under. I could get offended by people who've said things and, you know, and some people have wanted to cut me down and some people have been nasty, meaning to be nasty. But listen to me. I'm not hurting them. The only person I'm hurting is me. I need to get free of it. I need to offload the brokenness of my past and my present. You will never enter into your glorious future in Jesus if you do not break off the chains of offence from your past or your present. Is anybody hearing me? That's a prophetic word for somebody tonight. I'm telling you. Because you are allowing the past and the present offence and you're saying, well, I'm going to walk into it. You won't. You can't. You have to deal with those things. And by the way, Jesus never took offence. He never took offence. Lastly, I'm nearly done. We bolt the door. We close the door to offence. We choose to live free and open, forgiving. We will not allow those things of our past or our present 
to stop us from walking into our glorious future. I pray that for you personally, but I also pray, pray it over this church. Because if we don't deal with those things, we'll never walk into our future. And why is it that some churches, they can call as many prayer meetings as you want? Honestly, I've been to some, and I thought, they're never going to get traction here. Because they're not dealing with thieves that are ransacking the house. Yes? Four things that we don't want. Five things that we do want. And the next time you're together in two weeks' time, and I'd encourage you to come together and hear David. We're going to lay just one more block before we get into seven things, but we're going to talk about discipleship. We're going to lay a foundation of discipleship. It rises and falls our lives. You know, you know it's our characters that are going to go to heaven. We say it's not, it doesn't matter on this earth. Yes, it does. How we live our lives here affects eternity. You'll get into heaven. Some of you will get into it. And that's why the Bible says, by the skin of your teeth. Go and, go and do a study on eternal reward. And you'll see what God is about. He's wanting to develop our characters. He's wanting to change us. He's wanting to develop us. He's wanting us to become more like him. And how does that happen? Through us leaning into this discipleship journey. I wish as a young man, I'd leaned into the discipleship journey a lot more. It's taken a man who's in his... 30s into 40s now to really lean into that. God is wanting to develop us so we become more like him. And so we see the the church of Jesus Christ without spot, without blemish. We see the the church of Jesus Christ strong, big, vibrant, full of colour here in Belper. Some of you are from Belper. This is what we are believing for. We are believing for this. And I know that what you preach for and what you teach for, you often get. Why don't we bow our heads in prayer? I wonder if the guys would come and join.